Hello, my rebels. Today I talk about Marcy Ian, the CTV reporter who's now becoming a liberal candidate. That's really not much of a job change, though, at all, is it, come to think of it? I take you through uh, some of the interesting quirks and the more boring quirks of Marcy Ian's candidacy. That's next. But first, let me invite you to become a premium subscriber to what we call Rebel News Plus. It's eight bucks a month. But for that, you get the video version of this podcast every weekday. Plus, once a week, you get shows from David Menzies and Sheila Gunn-Reed. How's that for fun? It's only 8 bucks a month, 80 bucks for the whole year if you buy in advance. Less than Netflix, but it keeps Rebel News strong. Okay, here's today's podcast. Tonight, another member of the media party makes the move to the Liberal Party. But that really isn't moving much, is it? It's September 18th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. I saw this on Twitter. A community leader, broadcaster, advocate, and mom. For over 30 years, Marcy Ian has been a champion for a better and more inclusive Canada, and we're excited to welcome her as our new Liberal candidate for Toronto Centre. You know, she's not really those things. For years, she was a newsreader on CTV Newsnet. Not really a reporter. For years, she just read the teleprompter, words that were written for her by producers. I know this because I was lucky enough to be on her show, I don't know, a dozen times. As a pundit, we're talking 20 years ago now. Hey, no problem, it's an honest living. And uh, she was very nice to me, I have no beef with her. Um, then she joined CTV's Gossip Show, a low-budget Canadian knockoff of The View, uh, called The Social. Couldn't be more transparent a copy. Uh, it's just what it sounds like catty women disparaging each other. You might recall, recall that whole place descending into a cat fight with them accusing each other of not being woke enough. They all condemned Jessica Mulroney, Meghan Markle's friend, of not being pro-black enough. And uh, they canceled her one day. Here's Marcy Ian joining in that cancel culture mob. Jessica Mulroney's white privilege caused Sasha Exeter pain and has wide-ranging ripple effects. And then she quotes uh, someone named Lainey Gossip. Now, I think that's weird that Marcian would stand by some gossip named Lainey Louie, that's her name, and stab in the back her friend Jessica Mulroney, uh, because here's the kind of anti-black misogynist crud that Lainey Louie publishes. Like, this is really rough anti-black stuff here. I'm just going to read the words. Sorry, I didn't write them, but I'll read them to you. Ghetto tits, ghetto weave, ghetto belt, ghetto color combination. I'm sorry, I, I, I shouldn't have even read her language, but that's the CTV star saying this. I'm showing you what she said. So Marcy Ian is totally cool with that anti-black misogynistic racism, I guess. But look, don't overthink this. Marcy Ian probably doesn't like that talk. She's just doing what the woke mob says, whatever her bosses at CTV said. She's fine with anti-black racism from her TV co-host because CTV told her to be fine with it. 
Here she is posing deadly serious with Black Lives Matter gear. I get it. She's black. She wants to represent. I'm fine with that. I don't believe Marcy Ian actually knows anything about the Black Lives Matter organization itself. It's anti-Semitism. They, they hate Jews. It's, it's Marxism. They really do promote communism. It's just another brand for her to support, though, if it's okay with her white bosses at CTV. All of this is perfect training for running as a candidate for Justin Trudeau. Now that I think about it, I mean, imagine running for Trudeau and the Liberal Party in 2020. <laughs> I mean, in 2015, I get it. Trudeau was fresh, new, untainted. This was before the groping fiasco. I've been uh, reflecting very carefully on what I remember from that incident almost 20 years ago. Uh, and again, I am, I feel, I am confident that I uh, did not act inappropriately. But part of this awakening that we're having as a society, a long-awaited uh, realization, is that it's not just uh, one side of the story that matters. That the same interactions could be experienced very differently um, from one person to the next. This was before the blackface fiasco. This was before he came out full forked-tongued liar on Indigenous matters. Thank you very much. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you. People in Rossi Narrows are suffering from mercury poisoning. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much for your donation tonight. I really appreciate the uh, donation to the Liberal Party of Canada. This was before he sacked a whole binder full of women of color, including Jody Wilson-Raybould and a black woman from Toronto named Selena Cesar Chavan. Run for Trudeau in 2015? I get it. Very exciting. But in 2020? Yeah. <laughs> you really do have low standards to do that, which is a good fit for the Liberal Party in Toronto Centre. Remember, that's the riding where Bill Morneau, the crooked, law-breaking finance minister, resigned in disgrace, not just from cabinet, not just from the Liberal Party, but he literally quit his job as an MP, abandoning parliament, abandoning his constituents, less than a year after running uh, in an election. What a disgraceful man. You know, there's a great line in Macbeth about a traitor who was captured, but before his execution, he confessed his sins, he asked for the king's pardon, and he repented, as in he really cleaned up the mess of his life right before he died. And here's how Shakespeare put it. I love this line. That very frankly he confessed his treasons, implored your highness's pardon, and set forth a deep repentance. Nothing in his life became him like the leaving it. I, I think that's a beautiful line. Nothing in his life became him like the leaving it. That means he didn't do anything well in life other than how he died. Um, lived a sordid life, but a clean entry into the hereafter. Making amends on your deathbed, dying with a peaceful conscience. That's the way to go. So the opposite of how corrupt Bill Morneau left his political career. He disgraced himself in office time and again, convicted again and again by uh, the Ethics Commissioner of Corruption, broke the conflict of interest. He's a lawbreaker. Just the worst liar on Parliament Hill. And when he was finally caught in his last lie about the weed charity, instead of ending with grace or dignity or honesty or clarity, he just lied his way out the door, the back door, the alley out by the dumpster. So weird. I mean, sure, he married a billionaire 
heiress from the McCain family. So he's laughing all the way to the bank, his villa in France or whatever. But his reputation is in tatters. What a total loser Bill Morneau is. And Marcy Ian's going to run there, which is a surprise because, you know, there's a whole bunch of actual community activists, liberals connected to Toronto Centre who wanted to run. Not just people who read teleprompters and have middle-aged gossip girls sessions on daytime TV. I love how they call Marcy Ian a community advocate. That's pretty creative. But seriously, real community leaders were running for the Liberal Party nomination. They were actively selling memberships, working on building a team. Um, you know, too bad, so sad, you're not handpicked by Trudeau. So you can't really count on, you know, Trudeau, because he didn't pick you, he's not 100% sure he can count on you to do exactly what he wants when, when the chips are down. So you're out. I mean, it's a bright young man, visible minority, hardworking guy. Sorry, get out. Uh, here's another guy. This guy, I think, is a bank economist. Smart guy, but is he truly obedient to his bosses like Marcy Ian is? Same in another Toronto area riding that's having a by-election. Uh, Gary Gladstone um, was replaced by some hand-picked Trudeau psychophant in, um, in another Toronto area riding. So Trudeau just appointed Marcy Ian, just, you know, get all this democracy out of the way. I guess Trudeau knows uh, that she wouldn't be able to win a nomination without him giving her that affirmative action gift. He likes doing that. He likes being the noble white man, picking up the white man's burden, as Rudyard Kipling would say, and giving gifts to women, especially women of color. And he won't let them forget it. He, he mentions that to them all the time. He rubs it in. That's what Selena Caesar Chavan says. He loves to close hug these women too, chest to chest, hip to hip hugs, the sort of thing that Harvey Weinstein was known for. He loves to touch women on their behinds, especially in public moments. Uh, it's how he shows his dominance. He makes them endure his casual groping. It's conditioning them to accept him and whatever he says. Uh, he experiences it a little differently, of course. So yeah, imagine signing up for being part of that team now, 2020, after SNC-Lavalin, after every powerful woman of color was fired from Jody Wilson-Raybould to Selena Caesar Chavez, after the corruption scandals and Marcy Ian wants to be part of that. It's pretty easy to see what her qualifications are. She's a woman of color who will be obedient to her white master and do whatever the hell Justin Trudeau tells her to do. So less Jody Wilson-Raybould and more Catherine McKenna. I already made, uh, here's, I'm just reading Trudeau's tweet here. This is from a couple years back when he was asked about uh, local democracy. He said, I already made that commitment. Open nominations in all 338 ridings. Members will choose their candidates. It's just another pro broken promise. If it were Stephen Harper breaking a promise like that, handpicking a sock puppet in defiance of local members, it would be a five-alarm party and then a fire in the media party. But here, don't be silly. The media don't hold Trudeau to account. He holds the media to account. He pays media companies bailout money. If they don't obey him, he stops paying them. And of course, they side with their own, Marcy Ian, a reporter. Every journalist out there thinks they too will be an MP or preferably a senator one day. Seamus O'Regan, who was widely known as the stupidest reporter at CTV, he was appointed to cabinet. Don't think that doesn't keep a hundred other stupid reporters hoping, quietly dreaming of being plucked from the crowd by Justin Trudeau to have a fairy tale life of privilege and perks. You know, Marcy Ian isn't really left wing or, or right wing. Uh, she's not even really a Black Lives Matter activist. She's just 
obedient. She's good at reading a script, put in the teleprompter. It's her specialty. She just goes with whatever she's told. Listen, it's a job. Whatever CTV told her to do, now whatever Justin Trudeau tells her to do. I think she'll win because it's Toronto Center. It's like the Wild Rose riding in Alberta. If, it'll vote conservative if you ran a fence post as the candidate. I, I have a few questions, though, like how long is Marcy Ian being discussing running for the Liberals with the Liberals while doing her TV shows? Probably for days, probably for weeks. Bill Morneau resigned in disgrace a month ago now. How many shows has Marcy Ian done on CTV while knowing she was going to be a Liberal candidate? Was she tailoring her comments to support the Liberals? Well, that's a silly question. She was tailoring her comments to support the Liberals even before she started her secret negotiations to become a candidate. You know, whenever this happens, and it happens a lot, that a journalist leaves the CBC or CTV or Global or whatever to join the Liberals, I always make the same joke. I say, how much back pay are you getting? As in, you've been a Liberal shill for so long at your media company, really. Um, you were already doing the partisan job. Are they paying you for that too? But that used to be a joke that I would tell, but given Trudeau's massive media bailouts lately, it's not even a joke anymore, is it? Stay with us for more. Well, there's two paths you can take in journalism. One is the path that Marcy Ian has taken. It's a successful path, path for those who serve power, who massage and caress power, who never challenge power or speak truth to power. You just keep holding out for that moment when you'll get the phone call from Justin Trudeau. He wants to have you as a candidate, like Marcy Ian, and he'll clear the way. Or in the case of, say, Alberta's senator, Paula Simons, he'll appoint you to the Senate a forever job, as one wag put it, a taskless thanks. That's one approach. The other is to actually be a journalist. And I'm so proud of the work done by one of our newest rebels, you maybe know who I'm talking about, Drea Humphrey, who's based in the greater Vancouver area and has covered so many interesting stories in that city including this one. I'm going to show you an excerpt from a larger 15-minute video that Drea did about this. I encourage you to watch the full 15-minute video elsewhere on our website. But here's a four or five-minute sample. Take a look at this. What's brought you here today? Love for J.K. Rowling. You're a fan? Absolutely. A big fan of how she's standing up for women and children and how she's not backing down. She gives us all sort of strength to speak up ourselves which is great so do you know why this billboard might be offending some people oh yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah no it's ghoulish <laughs> and so what do you think about some of the stances jk rowling has been taking lately oh i she sucks like it's terrible i as far as i know she just says pretty despicable things about trans rights she doesn't believe in trans right? He seems like a terrible person. What about free speech? Do you think that this is something people should be able to do or? Oh yeah, definitely. I think free speech is something that we should all have. No matter what side of the fence you're on? Absolutely. Are you surprised to see that the sign's been vandalized? Not at all. <laughs> 
All right, so you go by Mark SJW, and why are you here today? Uh, to uh, make sure that justice is served and to give a unbiased account of what's actually going on with this genocide, uh, this, this genocidal statement. I want to make sure these turfs and turf allies, uh, they're the ones who get erased for once. Have you personally read any of the things that she's written about it? Yeah, her tweets. That's about it. And which one, what did you find that was transphobic? Uh, oh man. Well, it's been a, it's been a couple months. I don't remember. I'm sorry, exactly. I can't quote her. Right. So one of the things that she says um, is in regards to the transitioning that's happening to children and that sometimes they might be too young to go through medical process that are going to affect them for things like sterility and make them not fertile the rest of their life. Do you think that children are able to make that decision for themselves? Like, uh, I... I... <laughs> Listen, it, 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 children are children, I guess, like, it's children's rights have to be respected but I'm I, I'm not sure about that I'm sorry we're talking about no, no. prisons sports that are being taken over women's sports by male-bodied individuals yeah, yeah, yeah. right we're talking about women getting pregnant in prison now from male-bodied individuals who call themselves women who are fully still bepenist right because all you need to do now is have a feeling in your head a thought in your head that says, "Oh, I'm a woman," and well, now you to are. Have a thought in your head. You don't have pretend. to prove that you have it. You could just be a rapist head. and pretend to have that and thought I mean, in your head, and you're no, good to no, go. And you can call me a bigot for saying anything about it. You know, it now seems no women's odd. shelter in Vancouver, Zero. except the funded women's shelter in Vancouver, where you can go and not be certain that you will not be rooming with a man. Very interesting. I encourage you to watch the full. 15-minute video of that that you can find elsewhere on our website. Joining us now via Skype is the reporter who did that great report, our friend Drea Humphrey, who joins us now. Drea, great to see you, and congratulations on, on so many videos that you're just hitting the ball out of the ballpark. Thank you for this. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Now, tell me a little bit more about this. That billboard couldn't be more neutral. I love J.K. Rowling. She's one of the most popular authors in the world. I'm not big into the Harry Potter series myself, but she truly is loved. And that apparently is cause for vandalism and tearing down billboards. That seems crazy to me. It does. And, you know, she's done a lot of, like, humanitarian stuff, too. She donates a lot of the money that she has given. Some people say she's taken herself out of billionaire status to do so. So yeah, I totally agree. Uh, she's definitely lovable. And for it to be pitted as a hate, a sign of hate, simply because out of love, she's expressing concerns for women and children. It's just mind boggling, but at the same time, it aligns with 2020 quite nicely. <laughs> Yeah, I've always thought of her as left-wing. Um, I mean, when she weighs into politics, it's always on the left. She's for open borders. She's, I mean, just checklist all the way down. But on the one, th I think there's one subject that is more deplatformed and more canceled than anything else. I have some experience being deplatformed when you talk about radical Islam. You've got to be very careful because if you get mm -hmm. too politically incorrect there, they'll shut you down. But that is nothing compared with the transgender 
issue. And that one lady you interviewed, which was quite remarkable, who said that uh, J.K. Rowling has been vicious and hateful towards trans people. I haven't seen it. All she says is that you're not actually a woman. You're, you can call yourself a transgender woman, but that is not the same as a biological woman. That's as far as she went. And for that, she's considered a hater. And that woman on the street seemed to believe that. Absolutely. And she wasn't able to quite articulate why she believed that. I think the word she used was ghoulish, yeah. which is quite an interesting way, but I guess it fits in with Harry Potter quite nicely. Um, but it just goes to show a lot of people are jumping behind uh, this sort of social justice warrior movement and have no clue why they're doing or saying what they're saying. And it's frightening because uh, out here I'm seeing a lot of very young people, um, you know, young adults getting involved in that. And, you know, what happened to critical thinking? What happened to being a free thinker and, and being a leader, not a follower? So all of these things. And one of the things J.K. Rowling does is she refers to it as new trans, the, the new trans agenda. So I find that interesting. She's kind of putting the word new in front to, to emphasize that there is a shift on that. So I think she has been um, in the past more to the left, but the left keeps pushing people away that, you know, are logical and caring and don't want to generalize everybody. Yeah, there's this phrase, I hadn't heard of it until about a year or two ago, TERF. It's an insult, <laughs> trans-exclusionary radical feminist. And I yeah. can't even believe such a strange uh, word is in mass circulation now. That's basically what trans extremists call any women who believe that women are women and that women only should be allowed in a changing room. Women only should be allowed on a girl's sports team. And uh, the, I mean, the, I guess maybe they would be called radical feminists at one point in time, but it doesn't seem that radical to me that only girls yeah. should be allowed to go into a girls' change room. And if you're going to allow transgender women or men transitioning to women to be on girls' sports teams, don't expect any girls to be left because men are just genetically, biologically, muscularly, you know, uh, every single physical aspect of a man is stronger than women. That's why we have different leagues. Just like in oh. boxing, we have different weight classes, and you wouldn't have a super heavyweight fighting a bantamweight, because that's not even sport, you wouldn't have biological men competing against women in wrestling, let's say, but you're called a TERF, a trans-exclusionary radical feminist, if you think women should have private spaces. Exactly. I hadn't actually heard of that until recently as well, the term TERF. But I can remember in high school, sometimes we would play dodgeball with the boys, and I hated it. Yeah. I hated it. They always got the ball faster and they, you know, they just line up and just talk. And I'm like, this isn't fair at all. So I know that's kind of a lame example, but I mean, these are logical things to point out. It's to do with hate. It's nothing to do with bullying or anything like that. It's just to do with what's fair. And there's a lot of talk about third spaces when you talk about the bathroom. I mean, um, I don't know if you saw when I went to the the homeless shelter out in Victoria here, they had said recently a, a man let his daughter into the public park there, which is kind of being taken over by an encampment. And there was a man in a dress shaving his testicles in yeah. the girl's washroom. So it's like 
that third space is it's not about hate it's not transphobia it's just about common sense yeah. you know with children uh, we need that that space to feel safe when we're going and doing private things in a bathroom yeah. yeah let me play a quick clip of that i i thought that was a shocking clip vancouver is uh on the front lines of this issue here's a quick clip from that interview i i've heard tales of people going into the bathroom at Beacon Hill Park and finding a, a person cooking with a crock pot and having a machete. Oh dear. <laughs> Just yesterday. Oh no. Yesterday I saw a tweet and I was gobsmacked. The, the, this father had brought his daughter uh, to the washroom, uh, checked out the washroom before he went in yeah. and saw this guy in a dress shaving his testicles. Wow. Yeah. I think Vancouver is is really out there on that issue, um, but but it really is everywhere. It um, the case of J.K. Rowling and, and we saw the the billboard at the beginning of the, the segment. She is, in, in my mind, she's so huge. She's a billionaire, the most popular author, huge box office success. She's made so many stars who started their work with her movies, and I thought, well, there's no way they'll be able to wobble. Her, she's just too big. She's like a mountain. But mm-hmm. I'm starting to see it. Her, her agents see people are in protest. Uh, the the no name actors she turned into millionaires. They're criticizing her now. I think that there's literally no one out there that when the trans agenda comes for you, that you'll be big enough to survive it. I'm shocked that J.K. Rowling, down the line liberal billionaire. Mm-hmm. can be so diminished by this attack that they're tearing down her billboard. Uh, how is this going to end? That's a good question. I mean, if the more people don't start speaking out, it's not going to end very well. There's going to be a lot of silencing of free speech, and I think a lot of people can get hurt. If you can't bring across valid concerns like children taking medical transitioning hormones so soon that affect their ability to have children when they're adults, if we can't even discuss that without uh, being called transphobic, what's going to happen to the future? Yeah, I find it incredible. Well, listen, Dre, we're so pleased with the work you're doing. I just want to end with a couple of minutes from your coverage of the anti-lockdown march in Vancouver. I was so impressed by the march. I sometimes think of Vancouver as a, you know, the left coast, and indeed it is in some ways, but there is enough of a freedom contingent to have what I think is the largest pro-freedom march in English Canada. Here, let's play a couple minutes of that video. You post a video on the Facebook or any other media, they take it down, they blacklist it right away. It's the opposition. So if you cannot see both of the sides, what does that mean? You have no rights. That's exactly what the communist regime did. You could not speak, you could not say anything, otherwise they will lock you down. And that's what's happening here. Very sad, Drea, very sad. Support freedom in the lockdown now! March 
Lunch is on the way now. We are currently walking up Hornby Street in Vancouver. For those of you who might not know, BC has recently put some new COVID restrictions on. Some of them can fine you up to $2,000 for having a gathering with not enough sanitizer handy. Um, additionally, we've already begun some of the lockdown so places like bars as well as banquet halls are already closed and things like playing music or the tv too loud in public over and above a typical conversation volume is also banned in vancouver so what's in store for bc vancouver as the fall continues, as we start to see the cold and flu season. Again, you can find the full video of Drea's coverage of that on YouTube and actually on David Menzies' show, Rebel Roundup. There'll be a larger discussion too. Just give me a minute on that. Were you surprised by how many people in Vancouver came out against the lockdown mania? Well, I wasn't surprised because I had been following the organizers and what they were saying the numbers are. So I had already been excited about that before I went. However, what was actually surprising is, I'm not sure if you're aware, we have a really bad smoke issue. If you look behind me, um, from the fires across the border in the US, we've had really, really poor air quality. I mean, instead of the blue skies, we should be having smoke. So that day was supposed to be horrible for air quality. And some people were saying, sorry, I can't come. You know, I was going to bring my kids that. So uh, before I was a little worried, oh, you know, maybe people aren't going to show up, but they still did considering. So that part, I was a little surprised and really proud because I too was like, oh, how come we're not showing up? So it was really good to see. And I heard they're working on another bigger one. So. Huh. Well, listen, thank you for your coverage in Vancouver, Canada's third largest city, such an important city, and in many ways a bellwether. What happens in Vancouver today often happens to the rest of the country tomorrow. Drea Humphrey, keep up the great work. Thank you, Ezra. All right, thank you, my friend. Stay with us more ahead. On my monologue last night, Jer writes, I imagine that if you scrutinized emails from any government officials worldwide, you would find much of the same kind of cover-up talk. The million-dollar question is, why hurt citizens and lie to them? There is something seriously wrong here. Well, that's the crazy thing. Every government is doing everything like a school of fish or a flock of birds. They all brought in the lockdown within days of each other. They all brought in the mask bylaws within days of each other. They're all locked out there. It's like they're moving and saying, well, what's he doing? What's he doing? I'd better do the exact same thing as that government and that government so that way I won't be politically in danger. I think that's the reason why opposition parties in Canada have been pretty silent about any excesses or any failures um, by the governing parties in this country. Really, has there been any opposition in this country to the lockdowns, to the mask bylaws, to, to the extremism? Uh, even as deaths and hospitalizations have fallen to near zero, Lockdowns are coming in a new wave again. The second wave isn't a wave of illnesses or hospitalizations. It's a wave of more government lockdowns. Where's the opposition? And uh, if you think that's bad, look overseas. Uh, our friend Avi Yamini in Melbourne, Australia. It's insane over there. Paul writes, this scamdemic is unraveling as the clowns push it are doubling down. 
They can't keep people in fear forever. And when the economic fallout fully hits, they will be running for cover. I don't know about that. Fear is so powerful. I think there are people who are so afraid they'll do almost anything. I think people will say, well, of course the economy is bad, but it's not the politician's fault. It's the virus that did it. Well, the virus was the excuse, but it's the politicians who are killing the jobs. And if you think our government is done yet, look at the second lockdown coming in the UK and look at police violence in Australia. On my interview with Brian Day, Bruce writes, tonight's show proves that it's a two-tiered system. Money talks and ethics walks. I couldn't even believe what uh, Dr. Day said. That not only judges, but actually the Attorney General of British Columbia, people from that office who are suing him to shut him down, well, they want to use him for themselves. That's the government. And if you, if you know that that's what got politicians are like, and you know they have one standard for you, the little people, and another standard for them, the ruling class, you know they're breaking every single pandemic rule too, too don't you? Well, that's our show for today. On behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, good night. And keep fighting for free. Thank you.